This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Many, especially arts practitioners and those in the arts and culture industries, were dismayed that there was no mention of arts and culture in the current cabinet lineup under the Anwar Ibrahim administration. Yesterday, we heard from Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fatzil, who confirmed that the Arts and Culture Department will be moved to another ministry and that the respective minister will make an announcement later. The interview that you're about to hear was recorded at 11am this morning and at that point in time, we had not heard any announcement yet but just now at about 12.30pm we heard from MOTEC that the arts and culture portfolios will remain under the Ministry of Tourism. So the name is still MOTEC, Ministry for Tourism, Arts and Culture, with Minister YB Datuk Sri Tiong King Singh as the minister in charge. And in that statement, uh, if you'd like to read it, you can head to their Facebook page. That's where I got my information from. The minister did assure that the arts would not be sidelined under his new ministry. Now, I do still want to share the interview that I did earlier this morning with Ali Alasri and Bilkis Hijaz from Reformatsi, which is a coalition of arts practitioners in K and Salango, they basically shared, you know, why it seems that the arts always seems to play second fiddle to other industries, you know, and why is Malaysia's focus on the arts industry so low despite our rich diversity. So uh, here is that conversation with both Ali and Bilkis uh, from earlier this morning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it, right? I know that before this, previous governments had approximated the arts together with tourism. Am I correct? Under the Ministry of Tourism, Arts and Culture. Um, what has this always implied as far as you guys are concerned? Uh, Ali, you want to go first? Yeah, um, I mean, this is a clear implication that arts is secondary. Lah. Um, oh. You can see it from the arrangement of the titles, right? Ministry of Tourism, Arts and Culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if we look back in history, we could see how the arts have been parked into almost eight different ministries, um, starting from welfare and then to information and then to sports and youth and then to almost having its own ministry, KEKWA, uh, Kementerian Kesenian Warisan, um, and then back to uh, tourism. So it, it is quite... Um, scary to constantly watch this consistent inconsistency of appreciating or giving equal rights to the arts. Mm. Mm. And how about for you, Bilkis? Yes, I think this is something that sadly is not very new. I think the arts and culture sector is is used to feeling like we're a little bit of the unwanted stepchild. We're booted here and there and nobody really wants to pay us any attention. And we are, you know, consistently underfunded. And mostly I think the problem is the lack of consistency in any kind of government policy relating to the arts and culture sector. Okay, so and we're going to discuss that a little bit after this. But as I mentioned earlier, you guys are part of Reformatsi, and that's a, a coalition of about 180 Malaysian artists and 55 arts organisations. You're advocating for policy change in the areas of finance for the arts, arts education and freedom of expression. Um, and you released a statement also yesterday, uh, and you spoke of how the redesignation of arts and culture under the ambit of creative industries since 2009 had further disenfranchised it. Uh, could either of you uh, take that on and, you know, help elaborate on what you meant by that. 
I think if I may, I think what we meant by that is that it has, uh, in 2009, there was a move for the IKN, Dasar Industri Creative Negara, mm-hmm. which postured our creative uh, creative industries into a more technical-driven industries where we provide editing services, SFX services, uh, production houses. So then we have uh, Aputu Iskandar Studio. Um, and also we won an award for the Tiger for um, Life of Pi. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, if we look back, Razor Money Hughes are bankrupt. Right, um, and Iskandar Studios, uh, the UK partner has exited in 2019. Um, so when a lot of funds are catered towards this one sector, which is mostly um, film, the screens industry, animation, and media digital content, what, uh, how does it represent the other art forms, the other practitioners that are from performing arts, that are from visual arts, that are from music, that are from traditional arts, um, and and this then you know. Uh, over almost uh, half of our independence or more than half of our independence years, we've been supporting the screens industries more. Um, and how then do we move forward and, and look wider and cross these gaps? I think that's the problem when we have these kinds of rigid understanding of, of or industrialised, commercialised understanding of the arts. Mm. Bilkis, anything you wanted to add to that? Yes, I think the idea that arts is a commercial enterprise is really at the root of the problem here either when arts is placed in tourism or when arts is considered one of the creative industries, the emphasis is always on arts being able to make money, on arts capacity to increase GDP, instead of looking at the other purposes of art. Um, And I think it's more useful to look at art as a kind of social good, something like education, something like healthcare, something that should be provided to the populace that should be experienced and enjoyed by everybody, um, that should be a part of our our wellness, really, as Malaysians, um, rather than always looking at it as a money spinner. And, you know, just on that point, I think we saw during the COVID pandemic, isn't it, how everyone turned to uh, to some form of the arts or, the, or other, right? You know, whether it was music, you know, whether it was those free concerts, uh, whether it was all those things that were put online. Everyone saw that as we were stuck at home, uh, you know, going out of our minds, uh, you know, Netflix. in isolation. <laughs> Netflix, yes. But, you know, some form of arts was um, it kind of like influenced everything that we were looking for, isn't it? Uh, what do you guys think COVID revealed about how uh, people, you know, regard the arts, especially maybe here in Malaysia? Um, I guess one is that yeah, people do care and the arts has been an area to kind of voice out uh, the marginalised, right, or how uh, migrants were treated. And also, um, I think we have to give it a hat to Fami Reza for actually kind of providing uh, updates on, on the political temperature that's going on and, and the kind of uh, issues that we need to sort of see when we can't at home. Um, so there is avenue for the arts and, and that, that, that's working. But I think uh, it also showed, especially from the state, that there is possibility of support. There were funds given, there was funds distributed, albeit the shortcomings of uh, distributed distribution capacity. Mm. Um, but as to whether we want to learn from what happened in COVID uh, <laughs> into a continuity of how to move uh, better without COVID, to actually take art seriously, uh, is a conversation that needs to happen. Um, because currently, if we look back at how arts is administered, we, we have our step kids to two parents, yeah, Ministry of Tourism and Arts and Culture and uh, Ministry of Communication in the past government. <laughs> so how can we have this conversation about the future of this child if we don't allow for a space for it and uh, <laughs> taking out the, the name of arts from a ministry? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Bilkis? 
I think it's interesting to see how in COVID, many Malaysian artists proved to be very resilient to all of the challenges that were thrown at us. Of course, performing arts venues were closed and everything had to move online. And it was amazing to see how Malaysian artists with some degree of government funding support were able to do that. But it was, the COVID period was of course highly destructive and many institutions in the arts world completely disappeared. Um, many institutions had to sort of beg and plead for the funding to allow them to sustain themselves. And we're now only just kind of getting back on our feet. And it's sad to see that the government is kind of kicking us while we're down, really, um, rather than providing us with the support that we really need to continue thriving and to really recover from the pandemic period. Um, we've been completely forgotten. Okay. And yeah, well, well, let's hope, you know, I mean, with Fami's, uh, Fami Fadzil's statement that uh, maybe that is not the case. Let's see. Um, but uh, let's talk. I'm going to ask you a very basic question, right? And I think I'm sure you guys have a lot to say about this. But why do you think Malaysia's focus on the arts industry is so poor? Uh, despite, you know, what I said earlier, that it's so rich given, you know, our diversity, our history, our, yeah, all of that. Um, yeah. Either of you want to go first? Um, I think there has always been a perhaps understandable distrust in government about contemporary art particularly mm. because the contemporary arts are seen both as being the outcome of a sort of um, urban elite and being somewhat inaccessible uh, to a larger segment of the population and also as potentially politically challenging. Uh, and politically subversive. I, and, and this is true to a certain extent. Artists are independent thinkers and they often see things in a different way and they're often unafraid to voice their, um, their feelings about the things that they observe. Um, but art, this is also one of the other purposes of art is to, to be a kind of gadfly in the, uh, in the life of, of government, not to allow people to become too smug and satisfied about their own achievements, um, and to be able to offer a different perspective. This can be uncomfortable for governments, understandably. Yes, and and, in, and I think Bilkis has a nice point about different perspective, because when, Juliet, when you mentioned rich, uh, what we actually mean, right, uh, we can say that we're rich in, in culture, uh, but when we look closer and scale it, okay, this is the conversation we're having in KL, and then we scale it above uh, Peninsula, and then we scale it to East Malaysia, and then we scale it across region. So uh, multiculturalism or diversity, we are very rich. But as to whether we understand how to synergize this uh, and to kind of communicate and talk within this level of discourse in the arts, uh, seriously, um, then it's just a really beautiful picture. Lah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's just go for a quick break, guys. When we come back, uh, let's continue this discussion on, you know, why, uh, as you know, you guys said, you know, the arts and culture. Uh, well, I guess ministry seems to be like this forgotten stepchild, you know, in the bigger in the bigger picture of, you know, the cabinet. I'm speaking today to Ali Alastri. He's an art, artist. He's an artist researcher with a performing arts background, and also Bilkis Hijaz, the director of Rimbun Dahan. They are both part of Reformatsi, which is a coalition of arts practitioners in KLN Slango. We'll continue our chat after this quick break. You're listening to Live and Learn on the bigger picture. BFM 89.9.
Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. With me on the line today, Ali Alastri, artist researcher with a performing arts background and Bilkis Hijaz, the director of Rimbundahan. They are both part of Reformatsi, which is a coalition of arts practitioners in Kuala Lumpur and, Singa- and Selangor, not Singapore, Kuala Lumpur and Selangor. Uh, yesterday, Reformatsi released a statement, you know, uh, very provocatively asking arts bagaimana melancung uh, because, you know, there has been no sort of news on uh, where the arts and culture department I suppose if you want to call it, will go under Anwar Ibrahim's new administration. It's been taken out from tourism. Yesterday, we heard from a communi- new communications and digital minister and also former arts practitioner himself, Fami Fatzil, that the arts and culture department will be moved to another ministry. We're still waiting to hear on that. So let's see. But what we're discussing today is why, you know, why is there this constant shuffling of uh, where the arts and culture uh, you know, department goes to, you know, why doesn't it have a ministry of its own given our rich diversity, given the richness of the sort of, of the arts, uh, arts and arts practitioners that we have here in Malaysia. Um, what would you say, guys, are some clear signs that there is a lack of support uh, when it comes to the arts in Malaysia? I mean, what are some basic things that, you know, we all should, yeah, I guess, you know, open our eyes and realise, yeah, this is a, this is a reason why we feel that the arts are always underfunded and uh, that, that forgotten stepchild. Well, I think uh, the clearest one is the amount of um, censorship um, mechanism that has been played by state apparatus uh, across art- across artists. Uh, we can look at FAMI, we can look at Zunar, we can look at Crack House, we can even look at the rates at Rex KL. Um, and I think uh, a lot of artists, uh, especially with currently that they underwent um, schools, right? So we have a lot of theory education um, schools that, that teach the arts as a professional sort of career. But when they go out, uh, they encounter this weird state apparatus and realities. Uh, um, but how do we then manage this gap? And how do we also then provide uh, a better enforcement of these state mechanisms? Because uh, I wouldn't say I understand why it's there, but at the same time, you know, there needs to be a clear management of this uh, in a discussion. We can't keep on pulling off shows, cancelling shows, cancelling Beyonce, <laughs> censoring Beauty and the Beast. I don't, I don't think it works that way. Yeah, I think uh, generally you can see it in the lack of kind of ground level support for the arts. And really the arts are about audiences and about nurturing audiences. And if we don't start at the very earliest level of introducing children to the arts, then children won't understand the way that arts can really enrich their lives and that we can all be artists and it can be part of our, our daily understanding and meaning making. Um, And if you look at our national curriculum, you can see how marginalized the arts has been in our Skola Rinda, in our Skola Menunga. And also, if we are actually having reached that point of our national development when we are thinking about more creative individuals and encouraging people to be more creative, it's not just the sit down and shut up model of teaching. If we want people to be asking questions, if we want people to be thinking out of the box, then art has to be part of education from a very, very early stage. And so far, it has not been. Yeah. And, you know, when we think about you know, how the government, well, I suppose how I see, you know, when the government wants to promote uh, Malaysian culture, quote unquote, and Malaysian art, you know, they, they put on these sort of uh, uh, big dance performances or whatever, you know, like, uh, the you know, all of us in our respective costumes doing these beautiful dances. But what are we missing out, you know, on that level, on that government level, and perhaps also on a policy level, when it comes to promoting arts? Uh, the arts here in Malaysia. I mean, how do what should we promote, and how do we actually go about promoting it? I mean, what would your uh, recommendations be, uh, Ali? 
I guess I would have a clear um, artistic principle first from the source of power because we have the infrastructures. Um, but as to whether we can synergize that, that's that's another story. Um, at the same time, uh, how do we then treat uh, education or the arts or arts and education, right? Um, this is already now Ministry of Education's territory. Um, and how can we, you know, connect these dots? So if if there's no site to allow for these dots to connect, uh, then we'll be forever limping in the arts. Uh, and our industries will be heavy, heavily relied on screen industries. And when we, even when we look at screen industries, most of our stories and narratives are, are culturally biased, safe to say. Yeah, um, it is a bit interesting that there's a contrast of uh, one of the most promoted films in the past year, Mat Kilau, and actually who won a, a script, yeah. uh, best script, right? Yeah. Best director, um, Spilt Gravy. So I think, yeah, there is this shift of, of, of expression of Malaysian idea and imaginings, but as to whether we want to take it seriously and realise these dreams or leave it to dreams to escape a nation is really up to us. Mm. Yeah, and I, I believe like Anwar maybe set, is setting up for a surprise for a possible ministry. <laughs> Hopefully, thinking optimistically. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, we're all. Yesterday's announcement really has us all, you know, after that, that heartbreak of like, what, you? Um, Reformasi, not talking about Reformasi, really? Yeah, sorry, Bill Kiss, I interrupted you. Yes, I think we've we've had a lot of speculation within our groups about where the art and culture is going to end up. And one of them is that we might end up in the new Ministry of National Unity. And that there are kind of disadvantages and advantages to that, as there are in being placed within the purview of any other industry when we are always trying to sort of play second fiddle to the main event, mm -hmm. in which, you know, arts would be seen basically as a tool for nation building. This would be a, a slightly different approach than the approaches we've had before. I think from my personal perspective, it would be an advantage over merely considering arts as a tool for making money. Um, and perhaps if it's imaginatively applied, it could also provide some kind of spotlight to the arts of the communities in Malaysia that are more marginalized, not just to, you know, the big three Malay, Chinese, Indian, um, but looking at those communities as being more nuanced and as being more layered and not being as, as hegemonic um, and, and looking at other communities that don't fall within those labels and thinking about their arts and their identities as also being part of our national culture. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that, you know, if we do go under that ministry, uh, ministry of unity, right, that there might, you know, that contemporary artists might perhaps uh, be, I don't know if I'm using the right word, sidelined or, you know, might not get as much prominence as perhaps, you know, quote unquote, traditional art. Do you see that that might become a problem, you know, if we're trying to promote sort of like uh, unity and, you know, the Malaysian identity and all of that? I don't really. Actually, when I look at, I look at a lot of applications for artists. Mm -hmm. I'm on a lot of panels um, for grants and for residencies. And what always amazes me is how interested Malaysian artists are in the national project, okay. in actually explicating their own practice as a part of this whole nationalist rhetoric, not always in predictable ways, but they're always engaging with it and they're always willing to engage with it. So I don't think it necessarily needs to sideline contemporary arts because I think contemporary arts are already really invested in this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it just needs to be, yeah, imaginatively applied. <laughs> yeah, it. because like if we continue talking about the arts in its separate form, right, um, and, and not look at it as a whole um, and in, in its diversity, in its differences, uh, it's a bit hard because then you, you're limited to only focusing on that one 
particular sector lah. Mm. Yeah. So I would recommend actually having a policy, a rework policy because prior to 2021, we had Daken. Mm-hmm. And then we had a working group called Maken, which is supposed to oversee Daken's enforcement. Um, uh, I don't know what happened to that working group. Uh, <laughs> it included Nancy Shukri. It included um, uh, the current director of Balai Seni, uh, Datuk Najib. And also it included uh, Langai Wen, surprisingly. But I think now in 2022, um, the discourse again is gone. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe Ali, just for folks who don't know what Daken and all is, could you just briefly explain what that is? So Daken Dasar Kebudayaan Negara uh, is a, uh, the latest policy, yeah. cultural policy that we had, which yeah. is an expansion of the uh, national cultural policy. From yeah. 1971, um, right? And yeah. then it had seven particular uh, aims. And under the seven aims, it had really meticulous strategies with different state agencies. You can actually Google it and download the full PDF. Lah. Yeah. But I think the idea is that it, it is very vague and it focused on uh, everybody's everyday life routine. So that was quite scary. It was a lot of like nilai murni and adat budaya, sopan santun. It wasn't actually working with uh, content building, uh, curatorial work, dramaturgy, cross forms. What does it mean to have a cultural reading across audiences versus just uh, arts practitioners? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's a lot of limitations that, that needs to be addressed. Uh, mm. Mm. And you know, going back to something you said, Ali, censorship, I mean, that clearly is a limitation as well, isn't it? I mean, what do you think needs to be done about censorship here in Malaysia? Well, I think we had a talk with, uh, I joined a talk uh, with Freedom, Freedom Film Fest. Mm. Uh, it was a panel of uh, menari, menapis, menapis menari. Um, and kind of shared with Iza Arif uh, and also um, uh, uh, Katrina Maliamu mm. and um, Anne Lee, Dr. Anne Lee. And we kind of look at the chronology of censorship. Uh, it came to a point where actually a lot of uh, this issue of censorship is shared across all forms, all practitioners, but it becomes painful when the act of censorship, uh, the decision-making to do so, is abrupt, without consent, and without uh, the ability for both parties to actually explain uh, what happened. So it always starts with a complaint, and the complainant always then gets hidden by other enforcing bodies, um, and the artists will be surprised that their work is being taken off or their screening is being shut down. Um, there's no mitigating space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as they encounter these cases, there's also no legal fund provided for them to go through this legal uh, situation that they're put in. Uh, so to have a mitigating space, an action body to kind of uh, connect and mediate this particular act before the decision of censorship would be definitely useful. But the mediating body has to be knowledgeable of the industry, of the culture, of the art form, you know, and to have a kind of um, status quo or, or, or rather a, a source of power that, that allows them to to to, uh, to connect these two dots. But itulah, will, will we have that mediating body? Uh, to another story. Lah. Um, so I guess, yeah, whether we want to make a body that allows for connection or or no, we, we don't have a body at all and, and let, let it be wild again because artists can continue doing what they do. I mean, Fami has survived how many, how many cases? Yeah, but I don't think everybody should go through that. Yeah, I mean, that, that message he gave, right, Sat- satire is not a crime, isn't it? And he's, you know, he's very brave, lah, let's just put it that way, right? And he's unafraid to do what he's doing. But it is tough for a lot of people, isn't it, to to be as as forthright and as brave as he has been. Uh, of course, everybody, you know, does their own thing. Bukis, I mean, you did your own thing at, uh, last time, but it's not an easy thing. And why should you face this just for, you know, speaking truth, right? 
Yeah, I think we shouldn't be thinking about artists as being potential criminals all the time. (laughs) Um, And it's one thing, I think, for Malaysian government to say, oh, look, we don't have the resources to support the arts the way a more developed country does. We don't have, you know, money for a um, a public dance company that that employs 50 people full time. Look, I get that. But on the other hand, if you can't support the arts, if you can't actually provide us with consistent funding that makes the arts a profession that you can engage in full time, then the very least you can do is get out of our way. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to put it too bluntly, but allow us to do what, what we do. Our, Malaysian artists, with or without support, will continue to make art. They can make more, better and more wide-reaching art with support, but even if they don't have it, they will continue beavering away doing their thing. But it is really very painful when the only government response that we usually get is being shut down. Yeah. Mm. And that's the only engagement with, that we have with government, and that's incredibly disappointing. Mm-hmm. And how do you, I mean, how do you envision uh, the arts, you know, being the years and also perhaps maybe the mouthpiece of uh, political will here in Malaysia? No. Mouthpiece of political will. Mouth. That's just being scared. I'm not sure propaganda. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. but I think um, the arts can play an, a very useful role in actually dealing with uh, a country's conflict, uh, conflicting past, especially. I mean, in we, we're currently being bordered by a lot of TikTok posts on, on May 13, 1969. Yeah. But if we look back in the history of arts uh, and May 13, a lot of artists have kind of found ways in which they would respond and, and express their feelings. Um, and it wasn't about uh, racial riots more than about uh, a political decision made on that day. Um, and, you know, within that years, beyond the, the racial riot itself, is actually a, a, a non-elected um, government that has input laws, uh, implemented laws that is quite discriminatory um, and, and is still in enforcement today. So we can't even deal with that laws if we can't go through these bogus of racial riots because that generation and this current generation of, of Malaysians are very different. We've passed decades of that generation. Uh, and arts actually provide avenue to, to kind of reconcile and, and confront this because look at Germany. yeah. Or do we want to follow the Japanese model where they censor everything in their history books and they don't even remember their youth? Uh, they don't even remember that they've come to Malaysia before. Hmm. Hmm. So what future are we kind of pushing for? Uh, and arts plays a deep role in this mm-hmm. collectively. Yeah, I think arts is so important as an avenue for being able to overcome kind of bipartisan divisions within our society. Um, But also, I think we have to be very careful with that. They can also entrench those divisions and they have to be weaponized, if that's the word, somewhat sensitively. Um, you can't just send, you know, urban artists out into the countryside and have them perform their work and expect that people who are not their usual target audience are going to be able to understand and contextualize that yeah. and vice versa. So I think some very sensitive programming um, could also be useful at at this point. I think there is a an, an emerging division between urban areas and non-urban areas, certainly between East Malaysia and West Malaysia. We don't have enough communication. We don't have enough travel. We don't have enough collaboration between our artistic communities in all of these places. And to be able to have government support 
to do that work, to bring different communities across our nation together in a creative context, I think would be so useful to be able to talk about this emerging divide and at least find find ways to be able to bridge the gap in small ways and in large. Okay. All right. Um, we're still waiting to hear uh, about which ministry will be taking the lead on arts and culture in Malaysia. But, you know, for whoever uh, that ministry will be or whoever that minister is going to be, uh, do you have a wish list for them? You know, what should their focus be, especially, you know, to help, as you know, as you mentioned, Bilkis, you know, a very badly impacted industry following the pandemic. Uh, guys, you want to take it? Go ahead. What is your wish list? Bilkis, I think, I think you can go first. I go, why me? Ladies first, ladies first. I go, ladies first. Yeah, pri- primarily, I think um, we would like to have greater clarity around the is- issues of censorship, um, particularly guidelines on who is authorized to censor, on what grounds, and as Ali pointed out earlier, um, what mediation is possible um, and what support is possible for the artist to be able to engage with the censorship if it proves to be necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, definitely uh, Im- improving the offer of arts uh, education within our national education syllabus, not just in a co-curricular context, but also within the core syllabus itself as a method of increasing creativity and expressiveness and thinking out of the box among young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, I think, yes, at- actually consistent financial funding and support for working artists. The kind of funding, um, we do occasionally get kind of durian runtuh kind of funding. You know, tiba-tiba ada. Tiba-tiba, you know, long time tak ada. And tiba-tiba memang, oh, wow, it's like, yeah, we're all going to town. And it's amazing to see what Malaysian artists will do when that funding is available. But what we really need is long-term funding that we can plan against, that we can say next year, I know the exact date when this grant is going to open and close. I know when the money is going to be released and I can plan for that. And if we can't do that, then any funding that is provided to us is just totally piecemeal and is not really going to have any kind of consistent impact. Exactly that. Yeah, we need more investments, I think, in the future rather than token funding or loans, we need investment and, and kind of a new measuring system to, to reevaluate how we appreciate the arts. Um, the social, maybe a social goal is, is something familiar, but also maybe the cultural goals. What are we striving for? Could be a different way of measuring the arts rather than economic goals. Yeah, for me, I think with Bilkis, what Bilkis said was perfect in a sense where consistency, that, that's what we need. Something to, to allow us to continue uh, and have continuity in our discourse for the arts. Um, and, and to make it easier for both parties. It is a dance. It is a negotiation. Um, ideally, do not dismiss the arts. Have an office for it, if not a ministry uh, or a council, if, if possible. Someone to take the arts seriously. Because without that, then, you know, we're just one step closer to demise for the arts. Mm. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining me today. We will wait and see what's going to happen uh, after this. So, yeah, we'll keep our listeners updated. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, if folks are interested in uh, Reformatsi, uh, is there a way that they can find out more about the work that you guys do or, the, you know, about the coalition and all of that? We have a Facebook page. Okay. You can connect us there. But usually, uh, <laughs> Dukis, uh, would you would you like to share our, our com person? 
Uh, yes, we, you can go to our Facebook page and you can see there all of the previous media releases that we have released so that you can kind of get an idea of what our positions are on the various topics that we address. Um, and you can get in touch with us there. We are always looking for artists, arts practitioners, arts institutions, community organizations to sign up to be a part of Reformatsi. And that can either just be kind of background silent support, you're one of our number, um, or you can be an active member on our committees. Um, so we're always looking for support in whatever way. Okay, all right. So just search for Reformatsi. So that's R-E-F-O-R-M, Art, A-R-T-S-I. Uh, just search for that on Facebook uh, and you can find out ways that you can support them. Thank you so much to both my guests. I've been speaking to Ali Alasri and Bilkis Hijaz, both uh, part of Reformatsi, the Coalition of Arts Practitioners here in KL and Selango. If you missed any part of our conversation today, just download the podcast at bfm.my slash learn or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.